Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're wrapping up our discussion of Bonnet Commando 2009. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. Uh, first up we have Greg. What's up? Then we got Dante. Bionic Arm. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least we got the homie Trevor. Hey what's going on? So uh, last we left off, uh, we kind of were covering some of the, I guess, gameplay elements of Bonnet Commando, um, the combat, the traversal, and just like the swinging mechanic. Uh, we talked about the environment, and uh, we briefly touched on some of the story elements. Um, one of the things, I think we ended off with the, the, the boss fight. I think that was where we had our end of that was our halfway point was the Burak helicopter and then uh i believe directly after that fight um you jump into the underground tunnels and uh that's the first time i believe that or maybe the second time you, you you're in that type of uh environment and i feel like this is a good time to hit up on Dante on this environment. I believe he was the main critic of the environments in this game. He was saying, like, there was generic cityscape. There was generic, uh, uh, just he, the, the environment in this game. He thought it was very just run-of-the-mill. And uh, I'd be interested to know how you felt about this change of scenery being in the caves. Yeah, so... It was pretty ironic because I gave this game a very, very difficult time. Episode one with um, some of my criticism, I said it was literally like pretty much the same building asset placed in various amounts of water. And that's pretty much 90% of the game up until that point. Add in a couple highways along the way. Second half of the game, they do a much better job of diversifying the environment. So, as Marcus pointed out, you're in a cave. Go through there, there's a couple different, I guess, layers to it, so the cave doesn't always look the same. After you get out of the cave to some different places, they're also really nice looking, or they're at least different. I won't say they're nice looking, per se. I'm not going to go that far. Very scenic. Very yeah, they're very scenic. scenic. You get to a jungle, you get to like this water refinery, oil-based thing, go in this, like archive of sorts and yeah they i don't know why they took so long to get to that it's a little frustrating but i'm happy they made that change because it was very samey up until that point but they did start diversifying and the water stopped being as big of an antagonist as it was in the first half of the game <laughs> yeah, let's, look, let's I can that. say something reasonable if I want to. <laughs> let's kick that to Trevor. How did you feel about the lack of water you could drown in? <laughs> Actually, uh, it, it was weird. It was weird because there was, there was more water. It was deeper water, but you could pull yourself out of it easier. Like for some reason on that one level with the snipers, when you're in shallow water, it wouldn't let you grapple onto anything. But I think when you're about to drown and you're in deeper water, you have more stuff that you can grab onto and you can pull yourself out of it. I gotcha. I, I absolutely too. I was going to say maybe the city was a little bit more open than like, it's, it's specifically the cave and the 
like the scenic uh, nature park areas, those are a little bit more uh, closed off and like less spacious than the cityscape. So maybe that was one of the things. There's just more environment around that you water. It was along. like water with visible walls versus water with invisible walls. Yeah, a pond versus you know a city flooding and the buildings being gone. Right. Yeah. And Greg, you didn't have any complaints about the environment. I don't remember you having any qualms with the environments. Uh, do you feel like those improved in the second half of the game? Like we, we, we've, uh, we said the first half was like destroyed cities and kind of like, you know, skyscrapers and all that. The second more diversity was, uh, Dante said there was caves. There was like parks there was a military archive there was an oil rig there was um i feel like i'm forgetting one other like there was a kind of a weird like homage to um previous bionic character like heroes so they had like a a a hall of heroes kind of uh thing where they had these like super tall statues of uh heroes that had bionic abilities and then there was even that biodome area as well when you were like in like a uh like a big greenhouse yeah like the garden area i think yeah yeah at one point in um modern warfare where you're at the ferris wheel and you have to fight through like 10 waves of enemy before they uh, let you progress. Yep. And if you don't you have to start from the very beginning is that what you're talking about marcus dawson <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> <laughs> The whole government, I see you. Okay. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I I mean I guess I didn't have any big issues about the first half of the game, but um I think I guess I was kinda like middle of the road on it, but I think the second half of the game I really enjoyed. Um the the new environments definitely helped out. Um but I think the thing that kinda I guess you're not doing anything like drastically different from the first half, but I guess I like the way that they kinda ratcheted up the encounters where they throw, like, way more enemies at you. Um, so I think that kind of, uh, I think I kind of enjoyed that part a little bit. I'm glad you said that. But before we go into combat, there's one other thing I wanted to say is I had this written down. I said uh, the this, this second half I had more scenic views This this stark con- in stark contrast to what Dante complained about. Um <laughs> And I felt like the views were just way more epic. And I like we yeah. we we were talking. Well, we I mentioned in the first part that Grin used their own engine, the uh, the diesel engine, and I felt like this second half of the game it really shined. Like just the environments, they looked so much better. Like it was like, oh, this is what this engine does when it's not just generating buildings. You know, like not necessarily like the characters look any better. But just like the the lighting, the 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 way the shrubbery and the foliage looked like, especially like the jungle area, to me was my favorite. I love that section, just swinging around the trees and like Tarzan and freaking. There's water that you you know you're swinging over bodies of water. You're swinging off of branches of trees and uh, like cliff sides and there's waterfalls and I just that that part to me is like where the game hits its high point like it's like as far as like this is really cool but uh let, let's go into combat so I think uh I think we were a little torn on this I think for the most part we were saying that the combat is mm, it's not it's all right uh and I think Dante specifically he was playing on hard and he was running into the point where it's like I can't really even make use of the bionic abilities because 
the enemies counter uh counter me before I can even start to use them. So he was using more of the guns. Um, well, first of all, did you guys dip into doing the challenges after I told you guys about that? No, nah, I, I still wasn't really looking for it. I guess I kind of did them just by happening. Unknowingly, yeah. unknowingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't actively trying to presume. Did you guys change how you guys played Trevor and Dante? Um, I don't think I changed how I played, but I was de- definitely a lot more experimental with the weapons. Um, because I actually discovered what I thought was a flashlight was actually a grenade. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> that little that little icon, it looks like a flashlight. Did you not notice how you were throwing grenades? <laughs> I never used it. <laughs> The grenades are pretty good too. Yeah, really man, good. grenades are OP. That's what I discovered when I was in the archives. Like when you have those waves of enemies coming at you, that, oh, that was when I would pretty much use everything in my arsenal. I had a lot of fun in that level. Yeah, those things are good, man. They're really good. <laughs> what about you, Dante? Because I, I think you you were the one that I think weren't even aware that there was like a challenge thing. Did that? change anything about how you approach combat or nope so well i didn't do any of the challenges for real like i looked at the menu and noticed that there were challenges they were a thing and they did have clear unlocks associated with them but i guess all the ones that i really wanted i had already got for the most part just playing the way that you would play pretty much i did have a change in play style though guns kind of become I shouldn't say they become ineffective. You just don't have the amount of ammo you'd want for the latter battles. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I started throwing a lot more stuff at stuff. And I finally got the weird lock-on mechanic and kind of how you have to... You just have to rotate the camera to where you kind yeah, of hope yeah. that you want it to go. And for the most part, it, it works. I... Guess I brought this up in our group chat a little bit. I'm not, I'm still not a fan of the encounter design. Look at me using big industry terms, encounter design. Um, just the way they have some things laid out sometimes in some of the battle scenarios in general. Like there was one where you have to disable those satellites you have to disable, you know, the ones you have to hack into. Yeah, yeah. And there was one in specific where you're on a rooftop. And you have to fight two of those big robots where the, you have to hit the biomets. The back thing. The biomets. Yeah. You have to hit you have to fight two of them. They're flying. There's a lot of guys on the ground next to the thing. You can't hack the thing until you completely clear the area of enemies. Is it near and, the oil rigs part? Because yes. I think I know exactly what you're talking and about. And it made me so mad because I was using a sniper right before then, so I didn't have a viable secondary weapon against them. And I was stuck with my light machine gun, which I think it checkpointed me right before that. And I was almost out of ammo. And I literally spent probably a good 30, 45 minutes trying to figure out that battle. Just because one of one part of it was I was on hard. So those guys do a lot of damage. They can one-shot you on hard. Yeah. And two, it's like, if you're out of ammo in that game, and there weren't that many crates or throwable objects in that area... It's just really hard to get behind them because of how their AI is programmed. 
it was just a very frustrating experience. Are they a lot more active on on uh, hard difficulty? Because I guess I didn't really have a, a huge issue trying to navigate behind them to get to the weak point. But uh, so. I can't say for sure, but it seemed like it. Like if I tried to dip behind them, they'd turn around within like half a second. So unless I was literally zipping and then jumping and um, grappling or whatever, it was done. So I did tell you guys this. But I beat the game on normal, and I wanted to see what Dante was talking about. So I went through and beat this game again on Commando, which is the hardest difficulty. And I kind of just, not necessarily speed ran it, but I, I, I played it like a normie. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't do the collectibles and stuff, which was really, really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically, I remember the part he's talking about. And... Um, it's those guys on the like regular enemies too on the harder difficult. Like I, you, I feel like on Commando, one you have to do the challenges because the amount of life that you have when you get like the the light armor and the, the well, the light armor and the uh, medium armor and the bionic armor. Like just just that path, like it's it's like night and day. Like how much more gun uh, gunfire you can take. And it's so beneficial to have that armor in the, these later encounters. Yes, you can still get one shot by these um, biomechs, these uh, bigger enemies. But like against the fodder enemies, like especially that part where you're fighting fodder enemies plus those guys, it's so beneficial to have that armor. And uh, yeah, he was saying they're they're a lot more active. So like, there's no opportunity that you can get to get behind them. The only way I was able to even land a hit on their backside was to um, uh, do the Bonic uh, Bomber, the uh, his, his ground pound death from the ground move. And like, yeah, so you basically you have to get enough speed or momentum to basically, you know, launch yourself in the air, and then you can ground pound, and then any enemies on the ground uh, would like keel over, and uh, they're kind of stunned for a little bit, and then you can get behind them and weaken their weak point. Um, another thing, too, I didn't and I didn't know this when I was playing it on normal, but I experimented a little bit more because they had more life in Commando was when they do their little Hadouken, you know, projectile that they oh, shoot at yeah. you. You can shoot that projectile and you can shoot it while they they put their hands like in that, they're charging it. And when you shoot that, they, they, they spin around and um, you can see their backside and then you can huh. get free damage on their backside because um, basically they have like a little light on their, the back of their armor and when it's blue they don't take any damage but when it's red they do take damage so they spin around you shoot the light switch it to red and then you could just do whatever you wanted to them so like it, it was really interesting to see like I did not know that because I didn't need to know that when I was playing um, in normal but then when I switched it to like commando I was like holy crap these dudes are a, a lot more formidable and I need to change up how I'm approaching them because what I'm what I'm doing I don't have enough ammo to to like do this you know oh yeah they made sure that you don't have enough ammo <laughs> yeah and that part particularly that I died a couple times at the part you're talking about because uh in addition to having to fight those two guys which are no jokes uh themselves you had 
like the fodder enemies on the bottom shooting at you too, and those guys on and they're commando, not really a joke either. On command, like on commando, those guys don't miss, you know. Like so, like if if they see me, I'm getting, I'm taking damage, you know, and like so, I have to like one of the things I appreciate about commando. Um, it wasn't like ultimately it wasn't that difficult, and it didn't necessarily change that much how I played. But you have to stay active, so there is no running up to an enemy. It's like sneaking up on an enemy in commando. Like they see you, and as soon as they see you, they're they're pegging you with bullets. So you need to constantly be on the move and swinging around. And that's kind of how I approach combat. Anyways, I was always moving, so uh, it was beneficial for me. But I could definitely see like had you you know felt the way you felt with this game, then decide I'm gonna you know challenge myself and go commando and not like fully flesh out your swinging ability, then it would have been very difficult. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know. Do we have anything else uh, gameplay wise we need to cover that we kind of we need to just check in on uh, that we talked about in the first episode? We covered the uh, environment, we covered the combat, and the challenges. Uh, swinging, I guess uh, that pretty much stayed the same. You know, like there wasn't any. I, that's probably one of my bigger knocks is uh, having done the collectibles and all those, there was a little bit more skill or like uh, I had to, I had to learn how to do certain techniques that the game doesn't necessarily teach you or, you know, um, unless you're doing these collectibles. So I felt like, I wish the game would have required you at some point to like learn some of these things outside of doing the collectibles, because I think the swinging is one of my favorite aspects of the game, and it's a shame that it doesn't like it becomes a background thing. I feel like uh, personally, it's like I really like this aspect, but they don't do anything to like uplift it and show you how cool it can be. It's just like here's our main thing, and what you can do at the beginning of the game, you can get by doing that at the end of the game, and that's okay. One second. Yes, I really play this game. So I... <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, I, I've, I've been trying to recover ever since you said that. I'm like, wait a second. I mean, you think about it. So, like, you know, when I did the when I did the first playthrough, I did like the collectibles, and I, I you know, I tried to do all the challenges, and I missed one challenge. And I mean, that was maybe like an eight hour playthrough. Mm-hmm. I, the, the second playthrough, I mainlined, so like, I, I didn't do the collectibles. Um, I did still try to do some of the challenges, but I didn't do them all. And then I, uh, skipped all the, the cut scenes and all that. Um, and I, and I, I, I caught, you know, like I, the enemy combat, uh, I got a different perspective on that. And, uh, the, the final boss, I got a different perspective on, on that. But, uh, we can talk so, about that later. I guess one thing before we, um, jump away from combat is... The enemies in the second half of the game, did you guys like them more? Did you guys notice a difference in the enemies in general? Um, maybe I was the only one that noticed you're fighting a lot more robots and stuff. Yeah, I think that's the only big difference outside of that. Like, the foot soldier type enemies are pretty much the same kind of ones you're dealing with, except they just have more armor now, or some of them have more armor. Um, you just fight more, too. Yeah, they throw they throw away. They also throw in a couple different things. Like, there's the drone swarms, and um, there's the dudes with the giant gun who I didn't realize 
you could actually pick up the giant gun and yeah, use you the giant the gun. gun. I just thought you had to throw it. I didn't even know you could use it. Yeah, you could I use just it. picked it up and throw it, threw it back at them. That's it. I don't know. Like, um, personally, uh, I'm not a fan of the big robot characters because, especially when I was playing on Commando, that's where the game really kind of like it was cool because combat became like, I gotta, okay, how do I approach the situation, especially if you're fighting more than one, so it kind of became like more of a thinking, like uh, a, a thinking thought experiment I guess you could say, where it's like, okay I want to tackle this person first or deal with this character, or I can get as much damage in before this, his homie comes and helps him out so, like, there was a little bit more strategy involved in combat uh, when I played on the harder difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, too, when you're fighting, like like I said, the robots with the human characters. But when I played on the normal difficulty, it was just like, okay, this is more opportunity for me to knock out these challenges. And I got, like I said, I was one challenge away from doing all the challenges. So, hmm. how about you, Trevor? So since Dante mentioned the drone swarms, I thought that was a really weird enemy that they introduced because at some points they were just really annoying and other points like they seemed almost difficult. They were putting up a fight and I think they used them like during one one of the boss battles. Yeah, that, that yeah. well, the, not the final the last boss, real but, boss fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it seemed like they just the difficulty of them just varied, like depending on where you were, and that seemed kind of weird to me because you could also just run from them if they weren't like you know blocking you an entrance or an exit for you. Yeah, the uh, the the thing that got difficult for me because of the second half of the game, you see a lot of these characters as the snipers, and those dudes on commando. Like I was about to ask about that. Those like I, the it was the I had the main trouble when you're in that bio biodome like the the greenhouse building mm. because like you go into a room and there's like six or seven snipers perched in various locations so you walk from under this archway and you literally have three red lo- you know uh, red dots on your body and you're like okay this character's here this character's here so you need to figure out okay how am I going to approach this room. Uh, like, you know, like, this character's on the other side of the room, this character's to the far right, and this character's to the far left. Like, how do I want to approach this? And, like, I also have to take out the other, like, characters in this, you know, the other uh, enemies in this room as well. So, like, when you walk into a room or an environment with snipers on the harder difficulty, it's, like, uh, it's a different, more interesting uh, uh, enemy encounter. Like I, I did like that, but they were super frustrating because uh, it, it varied. Sometimes one shot killed, and sometimes it took two shots. But they didn't necessarily have like a huge uh, gap in between. Um, Halo shots, two sniper style, basically. And then on top of that, too, like some situations, it, the oil rig part specifically, like there's less opportunity. Like you can still swing and stuff around, but there's a lot more like free falling or whatever, you know? So it's like you're in between swings or, you know, you land on the ledge and you have to run around to the other side and that's when you're most vulnerable. So it was like a lot of like cat and mouse where it's like, okay, this sniper's over here and this sniper's here. If I stand here, um, 
I won't get seen by him, but how do I, like, how do I approach this? I can, I can regain some life right here, but then, you know, I have like one shot left in this gun or, you know, one grenade left. So like a lot of those situations, I try to use the enemies and throw them at the, their teammates. That, that was one of my approaches, which I did not do in normal was I did the, the kiting ability where you could like pick up heavy rocks and stuff or mostly teammates. And I would like sneak up on a teammate pick them up and immediately throw them at somebody else. And so that's kind of how I got through the sniper sections. Was the, uh, I guess, was the role uh, mechanic any good for like... I think the role is, I don't know. I think it's trash. Like I, 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 I noticed it. it like not really, well, okay. I, at least when I tried it, it didn't seem like it was like negating damage very much. So I just kind of didn't really use it that often, but I don't know if it was like maybe in the higher difficulties, you notice it more. I've only used the role on that like that last real boss fight. Uh, other than that, I never used it because like it was a lot quicker movement option in my to just jump, look at the ground, and pull yourself towards the like you know look forward to pull yourself yeah. towards that spot. So like I did a lot of zipping on the ground to avoid stuff versus doing that little roll because like the actual roll is quick, but the animation that it takes to once he gets up from his role and like kind of stands up and starts moving, it's like you didn't cover that much ground, you know. <laughs> yeah, Too many frames. Like, yeah, it's not like he had any invincibility. It seemed like so it was just kind of didn't really see much of a point in using it. I, I think really it would have been like beneficial to like roll like and this is not the type of game it is, but like if it was like a roll behind co- cover, you know, to a- avoid like a rocket or like a one of those energy projectiles that the robot shot at you, but like this is not that type of game. So I, I honestly don't know why they, why he has that move in this game because it's I don't know where it's useful besides like that boss fight. I vaguely remember using it for certain robots, but that's about it. It definitely could have been better. <laughs> I actually I do have uh, one more question for you, Dante, before we kind of. Go into the story. Okay. This was like probably the most egregious thing that you said, at least to me. You said this game was a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I still uh, don't know how you came to that. Uh, <laughs> I'd that <conclusion>. still probably <laughs> say it's a shooter overall. It's a shooter with some platforming elements. I can't get down with that, man. <laughs> it's definitely. Uh, even with my experience on the second half of the game, I still think it's primarily a third-person uh, It's hard for me to say third-person shooter because there is a lot of platforming, but I spent most of my action time shooting, I feel like. I think part of me is like... Because I'm, I'm trying to you- think of like on the pantheon of things, when I think third-person action, I think Devil May Cry... Bayonetta, Vanquish. No, not even Vanquish. That's a third-person shooter. But, like, those type of games. This falls into this really narrow it's like middle an ground, right? It's not an adventure game? It's not an adventure game? It, I wouldn't call it adventure because I think point-and-click when I think adventure nowadays. What is Spider-Man? I was going to say, what is, like, Uncharted or, you know, like... Uncharted would be a third-person shooter with platforming elements. It's kind of in that. As long as I, I just want to know where you put in charge, because like I, I'm not, I, I haven't 
played Uncharted, mm-hmm. but like I kind of feel like this game, just the way they tried to handle the character and just like the way the, especially the back half of the game, the environments and stuff, I was like, okay, this game is trying to go for like an epic type of like blockbuster style game. I feel like that's what it was reaching for. That's what it's aspiring to be. Obviously, I think we can all agree it didn't quite <laughs> it didn't quite stick the landing in that respect. Triple A blockbuster <laughs> with only one A. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you know, like I feel like it had like you know uh, uh, blockbuster aspirations, but uh, it didn't quite reach that. But uh, I feel like as long I, I guess I, I'm okay with you call, like. It's in the same vein as Uncharted. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Even though I still don't, I still like. I was going to call it a character-focused action game, but those first two words are a lie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) The shade is real. (laughs) (laughs) What about an ability-focused action game? That's fair. Okay. Uh, I guess I'm the only one. You, I'm the only one that play Dante. He's calling it a shooter. How do you feel, Greg and Trevor? Uh, uh, all right. So I don't really know if it's like a shoot because you do. I do. can't, dude. It's so hard. To, like, yeah. <laughs> It just rubbed me the wrong way. What, what rubbed you the wrong way about it? Like when I think of shooters, like I, I think like that's where the game shines, and like it's like saying, okay, this is like it's literally saying like this is a bad shooter, or like because like okay, that, that's like the that's the most like boring, wackest part of this game, and for us to say, oh well, that's what this game is, and it's like. I, I feel like if you're a shooter, you have to get the shooting aspect right. And I don't, I, not that the game, like, it's responsive. The shooting works, but, like, that's not... <laughs> it's just not very engaging. Yeah! And, I mean, there's there's definitely shooters that have, you know, gunplay and, like, that's not engaging. But it's just, like, there's so much... Not so much, but there's other things you can do in this game. And, I don't know. It's like... It's like, oh, we can, like... A game that has sword fighting and magic, and we're gonna call a sword fighting game. And it's like, but like you know, like you, it's like calling Mass Effect a sh- like a shooter. What is like that's well, Mass yeah, Effect yeah. Two might have been. You could sure, argue yeah. that, yeah, but no, 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 no. So like Mass Effect Two, yes, you can shoot in that game, but can we like can we all? Well, in my opinion, that's like the weakest part of that game as well. Like. Uh, uh... I, I I was more using abilities and not necessarily like the weakest part of combat. I'm just saying like that's the part that I feel like they needed to spend more time working on. I mean, Man, if you, they have if a you game pick... for you and it has three in the title. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, I guess oh, that's a bad example. I mean, if, my if you... is a shooter, but like it's <laughs> damn, man, I feel stupid for even. <laughs> I just want to fight this for Bonnet Commando, dude. I want to die on this hill. It's not a shooter. So I, I, I can't honestly call it a shooter because, like I said in our last episode, it felt like the gun fighting was an afterthought. 
like giving Spencer the weapon, even his crosshairs, it it all just felt really I don't know, like unpolished. It's, it's literally like they were they they made this game and they were like, Oh well, what what happened? What does he do if he's far away from the enemy? Oh crap, yeah, we don't have anything. Give him a gun. <laughs> all right, Pretty ship much. it. <laughs> like, you know, like that's kind of how this game kind of feels. Like it felt like it was the last part that they tacked on where it's like you really can't expect players to know how to use his bonic his bonic arm. We should give him a gun at least. What is he gonna do with his other hand? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Sorry, this melee attack. Well, he doesn't use his right arm, does he? <laughs> That's what he holds his gun with. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, dude. I, 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 I don't want to be that antagonist, but I'm going to be that antagonist where I'm like the entire game kind of feels like an afterthought. Oh no, like I okay. On my scale of things, where five is a perfectly average game, where I just have a straight face all the time. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Let me stop you there. We'll go to that this, the end of this podcast. We're gonna have that discussion. Okay, Let, okay. Let's fair, just, fair. All right. I'm just so, gonna say he said the shooter mechanics were throwaway. I feel that way about the swinging mechanics, about the throwing <laughs> rocks and the stuff mechanics, about the grabbing people mechanic where. They like nullify it by an electric shock ninety percent of the time on hard and above. Dude, you're so trash at combat, <laughs> dude. Because like literally, all you have to do is Got double tap markets. A. You just double tap A. <laughs> it worked, man. I got the same ending you did, and it wasn't I, that great either. I feel, I feel like Dante was like, "Yo, I'm gonna use guns because I can't do this thing," and he didn't even want to learn how to use the other stuff. So he was like, "Oh, this is a, this is a okay. This is a passable shooter." Man. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. So, okay. All right, so, are we going to come back to, um like, the boss battles? Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. About okay. We're going to talk about the story now. I, I don't think we have anything gameplay right, right now that we need to discuss. But we're going to hit come back around to Dante's opinion at the very end because I, I do need to – I do need to – Get mad at him a little bit more before we end the show. Sorry, <laughs> right, man. You can take it um, out with my bionic arm. Which, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to spoil the game. No, I'm not going to do it yet. Okay, go, go. Thanks, man. All right, so um, like I said, uh, we ended the story. We had just defeated the Burak helicopter. You end up in the tunnels, and uh, while you're traversing through the tunnels, um, you find... Joe gives you a task of finding this device known as the carry-on device. Uh, and what it is, is it's a secret government project that was created as a countermeasure against bionic technology. So, like, they, I guess they had this, the government had this idea that if bionics ever get out of hand, we're going to have this fail-safe in order to combat them. And the terrorist organization, BioRain, is probiotic. They're the ones that uh, initiated the initial attack at the beginning of the game. So, uh, in theory, they were going to use this carry-on device against the BioRain. <clears throat> but uh, I think uh, we kind of covered... Uh, you, you're in the caves for a while. You you, uh, you fight the drone enemies for the first time. Uh, you fight a couple of other... <clears throat> excuse me. A couple other... Um, uh, 
enemies in like this cave environment and then you surface and you're in the jungle uh the jungle part like i said earlier that's probably my favorite section of the game um in the jungle you have to deal with the water stuff that trevor was talking about but it's just a little bit easier to deal with that and you find a lot more uh enemies including those biomechs that we were talking about these uh mechanical uh, robots that just you fight them in groups, kind of like Hunters and, and Halo, where you fight like two or three at a time. Uh, there's a lot more, as Dante uh, alluded to, there's a lot more environment things that you can uh, interact with. So there's like fallen tree limbs and rocks and stuff that you can kind of throw at the enemies as well. So there's a little bit more uh, environmental, interactable uh, elements in this part. So that kind of helped out with combat specifically against these uh, robots. And um, I think uh, ultimately you uh, find the device in the Federal Archives building, which is a national, like it's a super heavily fortified building. It's like it looked like a huge like T-shaped library. And uh, you end up having to hole up there and um, you get bombarded with a, couple of waves of uh, the Bio-Rain soldiers, and <laughs> I think, Trevor, you said this was your, like, f- favorite combat part of the game? Yeah, because it just gives you a, a ton of um, weapon drop. Yeah, and yeah. And kind of just utilize your entire arsenal killing waves of enemies. Yeah, so this is, like, probably the, pr- probably the most combat-heavy part of the entire game, where, like I said, you're in a T-shaped building, and they, uh, enemies are coming from all, uh, ends of that shape of that, of this building. And you kind of just have to take them out. And every now and then, I think in between waves, a new weapon drops, um, gets, uh, airdropped into there for you to pick up. So you, like you said, you can kind of experiment, uh, cause I think by the end you'll have like <coughs> most of the special weapons, uh, at your disposal. Um, how do you guys feel about this part? Because I, I, I didn't have an issue with it on, uh, on normal, but on commando, this part was, I hated this part. And like, this is, in my opinion, this is one of the few, like you don't have as much to grapple on in this part. So it's, it's a lot more straight up combat, just running around. There's a lot less swinging in this part. Like you can do that but it's a lot harder to do because it's, it's a very open space. And like, if you're super high in this building, enemies can see you from all over. So you're getting shot from all over. Uh, so how, how do you feel about this part? Uh, Greg? Uh, this was one of my favorite encounters in the game. Honestly. Um, I, I don't know. It was something about the fact that uh, at that point, I feel like that's where the game kind of challenged you. Um, I guess on normal, I didn't really have a huge issue with, I think I died there like maybe once um, just cause I think I got in a bad spot and couldn't get out of a, couldn't get out of a line of fire. But um, yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite, uh, favorite encounters in the game. And I'll kick it to you, Dante. I really don't have too much of an opinion, positive or negative about this part. I just, I don't know if I was just kind of, you know, like zoned into that point, like I need to get to the end of the game or whatever. But 
it didn't leave like the biggest impression on me to be honest so really don't have much to say here yeah i had uh the federal archives highlights the stuff we don't like <laughs> and i was thinking specifically me and you because like I, I not like I said I'm not a fan of the gunplay and you're not a fan of the swinging but I am and th- there was le- like not many opportunities to do that mm-hmm. so it was just like a lot of just ground encounters with enemies and like I said on normal I died a couple times on normal but on on commando I think I was this was my part that I was stuck at this was the the most difficult part for me because it was uh this was like where which I encounter had, in the, like I'm trying to you know get my brain up to speed thinking about that part of the game. So I'm just trying to think about like what you're fighting right then and there. It's, it's, it's straight up just the, the, the soldiers and the, the heavies. That's it. There's no robots, okay. nothing else. It's just the soldiers and the heavies. They're getting they're They're really uh, repelling or, you know, uh, down from different angles from mm-hmm. the top of the building, the rooftop. So oh, they're, yeah. just, okay. they're just coming in from all sides of the building. But the issue that I had on, commando was mm-hmm. and then this is this is on me too because this is like not an aspect of the game i i, I like but on commando there was a lot more of the heavies mm-hmm. the the heavily armored enemies that take a lot more bullets and because we we've alluded that uh we've said that the second half of the game had a lot more enemy encounters that meant that i had a lot less ammo when i got to specific parts so i remember when i because I died a couple, I died a bunch of times at this part. I I had like thirty bullets in my pistol, one grenade, and I had like uh, no ammo in my uh, special weapon at this part at the beginning of it. So it was like I had to basically, <laughs> I had to figure out a way. And then this was kind of like the approaching the the entire room as a combat scenario. I had to like map out in my head, like okay these enemies are going to come here. I can kill these enemies and kind of work my way to the other side of the building. And that's kind of how I, 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 I tried to work my way back and forth between the, the, uh, the building, but I didn't like that method. So I tried to post up around where the, the weapon drops were. So that way I could like quickly switch to a, like a new weapon when it dropped. And it just, it, I think I was stuck there for about 30 or 40 minutes, but, uh, I don't know. Like it, it was just mostly because of the sheer amount of heavy enemies that you fight versus the the lack of grenades that I had just made it super <laughs> uh, frustrating section of the game for me. You know what? Now that you mention it, I do have a bone to pick with you guys. Like I feel like you guys are being really harsh on this game's guns because the gun mecha- like the gun combat itself, isn't the problem. I think it's mostly the AI and the AI's reaction to the gun. Like, aiming down the sights didn't feel that bad to me. The gunplay in this game is responsive. Like, it works. Like, your guns work. The problem that I have is they're not accurate. Mm-hmm. So, like, like it's just, uh, specifically with you the pistol. You do that zoom in. And- you do the zoom in thing, yes. But specifically with the pistol, it, it's it's like, and I guess this is... A lot of the ranges that I wanted to use the pistol at, it wasn't accurate. And it was like, I don't have a weapon for this encounter. And I have to, like, for, I have to go in uh, and put my, like, there's no, like, environment. Like, I, 
items that I can interact with right now. So it's literally like I have to swing in on this enemy and kind of drop in and use my guns. And I was like, that's kind of like whack. I don't really like that. And then like, like specifically with the heavies, I, it, it was a little bit more, uh, uh, I was more aware of it when I was playing the commando difficulty was that damn, like I don't, these heavy enemies take a lot of bullets and I'm using my, my gun a lot more in commando mode and I'm not necessarily finding any ammo for it. Yeah, the, th- the frustrating thing about the special gun or your secondary gun is that they don't have some type of universal ammo for those. Like, even if it didn't give you, like, the same amount of bullets for each one, obviously it wouldn't. If they just made it so it wasn't like, oh, this is a color-coded thing for this one gun that you might hold since you can only hold two guns at a time, it just, that was frustrating to me. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly, like, when you run into those heavies, especially, like, as Greg said, you're fighting a lot more enemies. So, like, on Commando, I'm, like, I'm literally fighting three, sometimes four of the heavy enemies at a time. And it's, like, those dudes take, like, 15 to, you know, 15 shots with the pistol in order to kill them. And you, your gun only holds, like, 70, 70-something bullets. So it was just, like, and, like, certain guns, like, I... I I don't know if this is like just my luck or if this was a thing that they did for the difficulty, but I feel like when I played um, on normal, I had the, the the grenade launcher that popped up a lot more often in my playthrough than it did in on commando. On commando, I mostly always had that assault rifle. Like it was mostly that, and like that gun is the worst gun. Like the pistol is better in my opinion on the heavies than that assault rifle. So even though that assault rifle can hold like 60 bullets or sorry, 600 bullets, I feel like the pistol was better at taking out enemies. Like there, there was never a situation where I was like, I switched over to my assault rifle because I wanted to use it. It was mostly because I'm super low on pistol ammo. And like you guys were saying, I think you and Trevor were saying that, uh, you guys, he's a sniper, man. There was like, I never got the sniper (laughs) ever. Like, I only used it for counter. Yeah, I think I only used the sniper like once or twice. Yeah, like I accidentally picked it up that one time. No, I mean, I picked it up and I would use it, but like it it, it hardly ever popped up for me. So like when you guys were kind of saying like I I used the sniper and I was just like, damn, like did you guys keep getting the sniper or did you just like never use your side, your, your special weapon that often? Whenever the option came up to give me like a sniper rifle, I knew that they were there were sniper enemies coming up, so I would always grab it. Yeah, yeah, that's like seemed like the only time you ever get the sniper was specifically in those encounters. I thought maybe you guys were saying that at other points of the game you were getting the sniper. And I'm like, oh Damn. no, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> keep it on me. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. Matter of fact, I don't think you even get the sniper rifle after that. The first encounter you run into the snipers, right? Because I didn't see it in the second half of the game. Uh, you you get it. Well, I got it in the second half of the game at a uh, another section, another sniper part. Yeah, like when you're, it's nighttime. You're on the roofs. The and, oil rig stuff. Yeah. yeah, the oil rig stuff. You'll find it there. I must just sometimes they hide those though, so it wouldn't be surprising if you just like overlooked it. Yeah, I feel like there was a couple spots. Uh, or especially in the second half of the game where it's like you had to like trigger it to happen. So you had to get to a specific point on the map 
in order for a airdrop to happen. Uh, so, or or I don't know if it was maybe even time too, because I I felt like there was one time where I got an extra uh, weapon drop that I didn't get when I played on normal, and then another time I got I didn't get a weapon drop that I got on normal difficulty. So, like I don't know if it was like I didn't trigger it or or what. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess for the most part, you I mean, you guys like the federal archive section. I think we're split pretty much, but yeah, I, I liked it. I think me and uh, me and Trevor liked it. All right. Well, uh, so I think right after you fight the the Federal Archive, you end up finding out uh, you 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 come across the thing that has been creating all these tunnels that you've been cr- crawling through. You you um, you run across is called the Mo Hole. And it's a huge mechanical worm that's been digging all those tunnels for the Bahrain underneath the city. And uh, this fight, this boss fight, is probably my favorite boss fight in this game. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know, like, it's not... One of the things that this game does, and I, I... I don't necessarily like it is each boss fight highlights a very specific set of skills or things that Spencer can do. And that's all you do in order to take, take out what? Sorry. I coughed. That might've been that. Oh, I was like, what the heck was that? Um, yeah. So, uh, when we talked about the Burak helicopter, it was mostly, um, using the swinging mechanic. Um, it kind of teach you how to use this very specific gun that you don't even get that, that often. Uh, this mohole, uh, it taught you to use his kiting ability, his ability to grapple onto, uh, you're fighting this, this, uh, mohole in a, uh, in a parking lot. So there's a bunch of, uh, cars in this parking lot and, um, uh, the kiting ability is where you grapple onto a interactable item like a car and you kind of whip it up in the air and you throw it and you can throw it at uh, this mohole. He has this, his weak point is his eye that he shoots this laser out of. So he's like, basically the boss fight is you have to prevent him. He's charging up his laser eye uh, to shoot it at you. And during that time you have to, uh, whip the car and hit him in his eye before he shoots his laser at you. And uh, he, when he gets hit, he goes in the ground and he pops up somewhere else, gets hit. He starts doing his little, like, uh, this surface level attack where he kind of goes at a really shallow angle in the ground that causes this, like, uh, displacement. The cars get out, like, out of the way, but he goes directly at you and you take damage if you get hit by the the uh, shock wave or whatever, so you kind of have to avoid that. But I don't know. Like, uh, I, I it, this fight to me is fun. Uh, what do you What do you guys think? Uh, I'll start with you, Trevor. I honestly thought this boss fight was kind of stiff. I can't exactly. This is what you thought was stiff in this game. Like, I don't know what it was, you but played this... at least four hours of this game beforehand. <laughs> And this is where you have the problem. This <laughs> boss battle just seemed I don't know, like Is it is it very, because is it because of the lack of swinging? So it was like Probably. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Like that, that's, that is a, I don't like Spencer when he's on the ground in this entire fight, he's on the ground and there's no, nothing you can grapple on to swing. Like they don't even have like, like, telephone or like streetlights or anything, you know, like that would have been cool to be able to at least swing from the streetlights. But no, it was like, you're fighting this boss on foot and it's kind of, it kind of highlights <laughs> their, the, I don't think their boss, like I said earlier, I don't think their boss designs are great because they only kind of showcase a specific thing that he can do. And that's like the thing you do in order to defeat a boss. But this fight in specific, and really the, the first fight is the only fight that you have to stay active in, like swinging around. Like these other bosses that you fight, the swinging mechanic doesn't even, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of like frustrating. And then unlike you, Marcus, I didn't use the cars. I basically kept using the special weapons that they dropped to shoot the worm's eye. Oh, I bet that took forever. Nah, it was basically like every time yeah, he starts charging right. No, I kept getting the um what do you call them? The uh, um the bulldog. Oh the grenade launcher? Yeah, it kept giving me those. Damn, yeah, I kept getting the assault rifle. Like I said, I hate that gun. <laughs> uh what about you, Greg? Uh I like the boss fight. Um I guess I didn't really have an issue with the lack of swinging in the area because I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think if even adding that would have changed anything. I guess they would have to just redesign the boss encounter overall if they did have that. But um, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. Just you're in a big area and then you get the little kind of quick time event to take them out. Um, but I didn't really have any like bad feelings about it. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the one thing I'll say too, I guess <laughs> this is maybe why kind of piggybacking off Trevor, like the way I encountered the boss, um, I, you know, I whipped the cars out of my kite of the cars at him. So when he did his little attack, his, his digging attack, if he went at you and there were a bunch of cars there, you'd have to get out the way and it would send the cars flying. And then so like a couple times I'm like, he's charging up his laser attack and there's literally no cars around me to, to find. And I'm just running on foot like a dum dum. And I didn't really appreciate uh, that. And that's kind of like where it was like super egregious to me that there's like no swinging. Cause it's like, how am I going to quickly get to these cars? Cause yeah, that, that that's how I felt about that. That's kind of where I felt like with Trevor, where it's like, it's that part was kind of stiff. A lot of like, when there's no cars around me, what am I supposed to do? But uh, yeah. What about you, uh, Dante? Last well, five was all right. So, um, Nah, cause nah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so wait, I, I just, okay. I just, I just want you to. I, I need a little bit more, like. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm just trying to draw out the words that I'm trying to say about. I it. got you. Okay, okay. Giant worm, pretty generic, but you know we're gonna work with it. It's, it's a video game. It's, it's Bionic Commando. Um, a video game. It got me to use a lot more abilities than I anticipated to use. So I kind of took the middle road between you and Trevor where I both used the cars and the guns. So normally if there was a car around me, I'd use it first just because it insta-stuns the enemy and it pretty much cancels him out of his little laser beam attack or whatever it was. 
if you shoot him enough in the eye, I think it does the same thing. I can't recall. I enjoyed that part of the fight. You eventually stun him. He goes to his little, like, I'm stunned state. You grapple him up. He goes up into the air. You do the little bionic drop onto him. Rinse and repeat two times. Each time it gets a little bit more challenging. The second time around, he tends to use that, I'm I'm going to dig into the ground and charge you type thing. Third time around, he shoots like these little circular pulses at you that you have to jump and dodge or whatever. So overall, it was a well thought out boss fight. I I can't fault them for that. But forget the boss fight. Who else caught that Easter egg? Man, yeah. I was so glad that I had my audio up. Because I vaguely remember them talking about it in a bomb cast, I'd like to say, like, ages ago. And then I was like, wait a second, am I dreaming? Why do I... I think I've heard about this, but maybe not. Did you, you guys catch it? About it? No, I'm, I think I might have missed it. What was Trevor? it? I missed it, too. All right. I got it. I got it written down. <laughs> this is, like, one of the... the this is one of the times where they show a little charm in, like, character in this character in Spencer. So, like, um, uh, when you get to the Moho the first time, Spencer, he makes the comment, like, whoa, um, that's a, uh, what is it's like a big enemy. I guess I got to fight it. Yeah, yeah. He said, whoa, is that a long health bar or are you just happy to see me is what he said. Oh, right? I remember then, that one. Then, then Super Joe says, he's like, Spencer, there's no way out. You'll just have to fight it. And then he says, my pleasure. Well, if you die the second time you come to this enemy, he says, whoa, that's a long health bar. Is that a long health bar or are you just happy to see me? Super Show says, Spencer, there's no way out. You'll just have to fuck it. <laughs> but the sub, because I play, I play all games with subtitles. The subtitles still say fight it, <laughs> but Joe doesn't say that. And then some of the response, Spencer, he, is uh, the, my pleasure as the subtitle. But what he actually says is, um. <laughs> and so, like, that, that was like, I know. I bet Dante got like kind of excited when he saw that because like, that's what I, I wish there was more. There was there's so many opportunities or like chances they could have like shown more, breathed more life into this game. You know, like I'm a fan of this game, but it's not because of the character, like how he interacts with anything. It's mostly like the gameplay, like the the swinging. Like I like Spencer and his ability. I don't necessarily think he's like a deep and grossing character, but like if they could have had more parts like this, where there's another part that they do have this uh, kind of stuff happen that we can talk about later, but um, yeah, like I was just like, man, like why couldn't they have done this more often? Because it makes him seem like a... It makes it seem like a fluke. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just like snuck that in and nobody caught it. Yeah, because I I remember when I first played this game, I was playing with my friend. uh, He was watching me and I died in the boss, and then we got to it, and I was like, wait, what? What did he say? And then I beat the boss, and I didn't hear it, so I didn't think anything of it. But coming back and playing it and, like, seeing it, knowing that, I was like, there's something weird about this part right here. I'm going to make sure I pay attention. And then I died, and I'm like, oh, well, whatever. And then it, it happened. I was like, oh, got to pause. I got to write all this down. <laughs> and, I mean, you saw me. I immediately in the group chat said, hey, 
when you catch this scene, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, like he said, like, I I wish they had more opportunities like this because it does just make it seem like a fluke and just like a, like, oh, somebody snuck this into the game. Which I don't think was, like, I don't think that was intentional. Or, like, I think they did it intentionally, but I wish they had done it more often, you know? But, uh, yeah, after, after, um, you defeat the Moho, uh, you, <clears throat> you, uh, end up, you know, fighting in, on a new environment. You're fighting in, like, a port and, like, the, the, uh, oil rigs and stuff like that. And that's where you find the carry-on device. And, uh, this is a different atmosphere, or like, a different look altogether because, like, now you're in nighttime, you know, and that's a little bit different all the other times you've been fighting during the day or whatever. So that's kind of a little bit different. Uh, and then at this point, uh, Spencer's trying to, he, I mean, Super Joe is the catalyst. He's been radio common with Spencer the entire time, telling him his objective and everything. At this point, Spencer loses contact with uh, Super Joe, uh, but he eventually gets back in contact with them and meet, they uh, get a rally point, a place for them to meet up so he can deliver the device. Spencer delivers the carry-on thing and carry-on device, and at this point, I think the bargaining agreement is is that Joe will reveal to Spencer the details about Emily, Spencer's wife, who Spencer hasn't seen for the past 10 to 12 years. So that's kind of like the reason why Spencer has agreed to do all these things. And uh, Joe ends up reneging on the, on the deal and basically reveals at this point that he's been collaborating with Byron the whole time. And then uh, at this point, it's also revealed that Byron is led by, I think his name is Groder, uh, God, Godfried Groder who is a, uh, I think he's the right-hand man in uh, Bonnet Commando Rearmed, which I had said in the first part of this, is that uh, it had these uh, story, it took some story elements from the original game as well as Rearmed. So he's a character that originally appeared in there. And he's basically like a hardcore, like, uh, he, he's a hardcore German uh, meant to, he's a fascist or and, and or whatever, but uh, he's just like a he's also a bionic and uh, but he just has like a hardcore German accent and he's like the, I, I guess we can't put Hitler in the game, so he's like the next closest thing, I guess, is what it is like in his uh, mannerisms and all that uh, at least in uh, Free Armed he was that way, so they, they kind of made him the same in this game and then at that point, uh, um, there's a cutscene, and uh, you find out that Joe and Groder, uh, uh, Super Joe and Groder, they have Mag captive, Spencer's fellow bionic homie, who was in his uh, troop back in the day. She has a super fat, or she has bionic legs, so she can run them super fast, and they're pretty good friends, and uh, Joe basically kicks Spencer out of the helicopter, and uh, presumably to his death, but Spencer's too much of a G, so he doesn't die. 
And then at that point, uh, you are uh, on the bur- the the Barak bur- Burak Armada, and this is like a cool to me. This is a cool sequence. So like you're uh, you're tasked with you're you're on the back of a convoy. It's these these helicopters. They're flying to this island. There's maybe about uh, six of them, seven of them, and. Uh, you're tasked with getting to the front one in this uh, this convoy, and what you have to do is you have to hack into the helicopter, can st- steer it, control it up to the next one in line. Then you got to grapple onto it, defeat some enemies, rinse, repeat. It's kind of like the quote unquote vehicle sequence of this game. I would feel like. Uh, how how do you guys feel about this? I'll start with you, uh, Trevor. Um. I thought it was fun. Oh, I enjoyed this part. I wish that it was faster paced because at times it felt like it was kind of sluggish, like just having to um, um, grapple onto that part of the ship and, and rip it off. It didn't feel fluid, but I enjoyed this part. Greg? Um... I guess I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I think I, I mean I guess I I thought it was uh it's pretty decent. I think at least to me the uh, the second half of this game has the better uh, set pieces and I guess uh, action sequences. Um, but this one in particular just didn't really feel too much about. Dante, um, I thought it was pretty nice. It was a good change of pace and a good setup for the last section of that game. I did have a little bit of frustration with it just for, um, I mean, it was 100% on me just not realizing that I was hacking the ship and in control of the ship. So I think it took me a death or two before I realized that's how I need to get from ship A to ship B. But after that, it was fun. It's a very short sequence. It's like a five six minute thing tops probably it's like a really weird but nice change of pace i would say and uh i i did this probably the same exact thing you did was like i didn't know that you had to hack so like i just the very first time i just jumped off the helicopter (laughs) and died and i was like oh that was stupid of me how do i get over there and yeah it's it's kind of like it doesn't overstay its welcome, and like you said, it only lasts like 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 not 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 five minutes tops, uh, and uh, not even that really. It's probably like three four minute three minutes, and uh, it, it, it's enough of a variety. It's just like oh, like even though it's not too much to um, this part, it's just enough of a change of pace that it's like okay, this is cool, this is refreshing, and. Uh, I think it probably hit their quota of having like just games that this 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 released you know 2009 is like it hit their quota of having a vehicle sequence. I think is kind of probably why it was put in the game, but I'm not mad at it. It was fun. But uh, yeah, you get to the front of the convoy, uh, and that is obviously uh, Joe and uh, Grutter are still holding Mag captive, and at that point uh, with the, with the carry on device, and at that point. They kick Mag out the helicopter, so Spencer's like, "Do I go for the carry-on device or do I go for Mag?" Or Mag, and he goes for Mag, and uh, 
they end up um, landing a huge like crater uh, in the city, and uh, at that point, they uh, decide, "Oh, we're gonna have to." board the constructor, which is this huge uh, device that Byrain, uh, it's their, basically their shield. It's this huge uh, floating device that uh, is their transportable headquarters. And um, Hey, um, also speaking of Mag, did y'all read the um, the logs on, on her? Yes, uh, and that's I, man, like one of my biggest issues, or not biggest but one of the things I don't like about this game is like, okay, there, there's not much story. There, there's not much story in this game, but the the way they deliver the story is through these hacking. Uh, they're not op- optional, so you have to do them. But to me, it's like a. I don't know if there's a better way that they could have delivered story beats, but you find out a lot of background information about Spencer, his situation, his former allies, uh, and. You even get a little insight on like the enemies and how they feel about this one. Like it's kind of fun to see them, their perception of uh, evolve as the game progresses. Where uh, early encounters, they hear about this army that's picking off their fellow comrades, and then later on, they they realize that it's a single guy, and it's kind of interesting to see how they talk about that. But um, what was specifically about Matt that you want to point out? Um, basically, they're interviewing her and they're asking her like her feelings towards Spencer. And she's basically like, well, soldiers are supposed to repress their feelings. So my only feelings for him are, are loyalty because he's our, you know, he's the major. And then um, I think they asked her a question like, you know, how do you feel about his wife leaving him or and she said something like, yeah, I don't know why he's still looking for her, you know, even though the bitch left him. Yeah, I didn't remember that. It, it, makes, it, it makes it seem like uh, there's some feelings between the two of them. Like, I mean, obviously they have history as being, like, quote-unquote co-workers. But I know, like, they were, I think they were specifically interviewing her at that point to try to get some insight into his psyche, Spencer's psyche. But uh, yeah. So you you um you get on this constructor, uh, and then you're tasked with uh, basically there's cooling systems on uh, the ship. There's three different points. And you can kind of choose how you want to tackle them, and each of them has slightly different variation of enemies that you have to fight. But uh, you you take all three of the cooling systems down, and then you're tasked with fighting Groder at the top of the the uh, headquarters. And this is the, as we've kind of said uh, prior, this is the quote-unquote um, last real boss fight against Groder. And um, uh, this boss fight is, it's kind of interesting because it's he's delivering his evil, evil man, evil villain uh, uh, monologue uh, on this platform, it's, you're, you're, you you face him on this like helicopter pad. It's super tiny, uh, round helicopter pad, and uh, yeah, he, there's a bunch of drone those drone enemies underneath the helicopter pad, and he's just talking at you and attacking you. And uh, how did you guys feel about this fight? 
I'll start with you, Greg. Um, you know what? Come come back to me on that. Hold on, let, let me let me think about it for a second. All right. Uh, should I go, or you want to go, Trevor? Um, I'll go. So as soon as I got to this point, I immediately had a sundowner flashback from Vanquish. Yep. <laughs> oh, hold on. That was... Oh, wait, Rising. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I know, I know uh, what you meant. I know what yeah. you meant. <laughs> but, um, but this boss battle, probably the most boring boss battle to me in the game. Of all, like, two of them, or three. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You and you can elaborate. Um, my favorite part was was killing him. I don't know if you want to go into that yet. Uh, we'll, we'll hold off on that. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, you can go to the next person then. All right. So this, I'll go with you, Dante. Go ahead. Okay. So I can't remember if I was looking at a guide intentionally at this point or it just accidentally happened that I just like browsed it but I saw that I couldn't even hurt him for like the game does such a bad job of letting you know that hey this is the point at which you can damage him and that was a little frustrating because the first couple times like you're just not going to do anything against him or at least that was my experience with him after you know what to do, it's not that bad of a boss fight. It's pretty basic, actually. But kind of as Trevor was insinuating, there's not too much going on at the same time. It's literally learn his two attacks. One of them you have to roll out the way. The other one you have to jump out the way. Once you dodge, jump, aim at his back like those giant enemy robots. Um, zip in, if I recall. Yeah, zip kick. And then at some point, the drones come in, but they're not really a threat, or at least they weren't to me. They just didn't get in the way. So, yeah, there, it was just a very one-trick boss fight in I, Yeah, and like, <laughs> kind of like I said, uh, I, I agree 100% with those sentiments. Uh, like I said prior... On the prior boss, like my one of my complaints or one of the things I don't like about this game is the boss. The bosses they only kind of highlight one or two things ever, and this is another one of those of the three bosses: the Burak, the Mohel, and Groder. The Burak is the only one where you get to like grapple and like use that or you know use his bionic arm to like move around. These other two fights uh, that we cover in the second half of the game is uh, mostly just running around on foot, and because um, I when I when I did the fight the very first time, as soon as he started talking, I immediately jumped underneath the platform and tried to zip around, and then you're getting hit by the drones the entire time. But granted, they're just doing ticky tack damage on you. It's nothing to like, oh, I'm going to die. But it's just like, okay, like I can't do any damage on him. These guys are just here, down here. So, oh, this is kind of whack. Like, I can't even do this thing. So you end up just, like like I said, just walking around, listening to him talk. He does one of his two very easy to uh, distinguish attacks. And like Dante said, you roll out of the way once for one, you jump for the other, and you 
zip kick his back, rinse, repeat. Um, one of the things that I at least appreciate, I guess there's another, uh, did you guys see the Easter egg on this boss? It's, it's not as funny. Yeah, I I just, it just dawned on me as um, you were talking about him. And I think, yeah. I, I think, I think I know what it is. So uh, if you, I didn't know this on the normal difficulty, but when I played on uh, Commando, his his, uh, his jump attack or the attack that you have to jump to avoid, the shockwave is a lot bigger. So you have to more carefully time uh, your jump to, in order to avoid the shockwave. And uh, so there's there was a couple of times where I was like, down to his second to last hit, and I like if you get hit by the shockwave on commando, it's a one hit kill and you die. So you have to start all over at bossful health. <laughs> well, he starts his his talking again, and you can hit X to skip. It and says shut up on that button. Yeah, yeah so it, it says shut up, and then so Spencer yells at him, shut up, and then uh, then he like he he, he stops talking and does his attack. You hit him. And then depending on, like, you can skip all the way until the hit that you were on. So you could skip kind of speed, like, along through that boss fight up to the point that you were at. Wait, what? Um, so, like, if you say, like, it takes seven hits to hit him, right? Uh-huh. And I die after hitting him five times. I can tell him to shut up five times, you know? I notice that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. you, can, you can tell him, like, you can kind of speed up the boss fight, which is really cool because he does talk for a long not a long ass time but like you like if you died like especially on commando i mean i died like uh like maybe eight times on him on commando and it's like i don't want to like you know sit here and listen to him say the same thing over and over and over again so i appreciate them doing that but it was funny because uh so the second time you hit the button he's like he, he spencer gets a little bit more angry and he gets a little more bass in his voice and he's like shut up and then the third time he's like, "Shut the fuck up," <laughs> you know, like, and like it, it was, it, it was just like, okay, I, I appreciate them doing this uh, because, like, one, I don't have to listen to this boss just yammer on, but also this this is another example of them adding a little bit more pizzazz or like character to Spencer. Like he doesn't have much, but the, this this and that Easter egg with the. Mo- Oh Hill, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I appreciate these two uh, instances where they do a little bit more to like breathe life into this character. You just kind of meander into both of them, like both times. I was like, wait, is does that say what I did? Like every time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, good. So, so like, I I like that about it, and it's just like one of those things where it's like once I saw like because like I said, I, I saw the the Easter egg, the molehill thing on both difficulties. Like he, I, I, if you die once you're, I, I believe the second time you're automatically going to, uh, going to experience it, but I don't think you experience it again. So like you have to catch it that one time or otherwise like you could die like 20 times and I, or at least, you know, like I think uh, you can die a bunch of times and not see it after that second time where this thing, you can experience it every time you fight them. Uh, and, so I don't know, like, once I saw it with the Groder thing, I was like, oh, like, that Mohill thing wasn't a one-off. They knew what they were doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
But let me go back to Greg because he said he was going to formulate his thoughts. So, um, as I don't have a whole lot to add, it, it's not like a like mechanically complex boss fight or anything. Um, I did have the issue that uh, that Dante was having where you weren't really sure exactly when he was taking damage. Um, so, I mean, I guess that was like a small issue that I had at first, but other than that, I mean, just kind of was, you know, just a, a normal boss encounter, I guess. The thing that I liked was just the, the sequence after you finish the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I, uh, <laughs> this is like one of my favorite parts of this game is so stupid, but, um, so Groder, he, when you when you enter this fight with him, he reveals that he's like a big hulking. Like I think he's like morphed his body or got more bionic abilities. So uh, he's no longer just has a bionic arm. He has a bionic body, and the only human part of him is his head. So at the very end, after you, which is also a shame because like he only has two attacks, and like there's so much more cool things that you could do with a bionic body than what he did. I don't know. I think it was in line with the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're funny. <laughs> but um yeah, so when you get the 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 the, the killing blow and to, to deplete deplete his uh life bar all the way, um you trigger a cutscene and uh his body is like torn in pieces. I think he's he's just a torso and uh, two stubby arms and, you know, like his legs are blown off and everything. And then Spencer, he just walks up to him, puts his foot on his chest, slams a, I guess a flashlight in Trevor's game. He slams, <laughs> <laughs> he slams a grenade in my game into his mouth. And then uh, he's like, you know, he's like muffled and Spencer like says some witty like like lying or something, and then he just kicks his body off the uh, helicopter pad, and then uh, you see the the camera switches from being uh, over Spencer's shoulder to underneath the helicopter pad, and you see Groder, he's like falling, you know, he's falling towards the camera, he's shaking his head, he has the grenade in his mouth, and then it just explodes, and then the screen gets covered with blood. (laughs) And uh, I... I really <laughs> like they um, Spencer and Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, like I said, I'm a Marvel vs. Capcom fan. Marvel vs. Capcom three. Uh, he only he didn't have uh, grenades, but they gave him grenades in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which is cool. But then they also gave him a level three, and his level three is a grab uh, where he grabs the opponent, knocks them down, sticks a grenade into their mouth, and then swings off. <laughs> and so, like, it's a direct nod to this, and I, I, I like, it makes me smile every time I see it, so. <laughs> Doesn't something like that happen in the NES uh, version of the game, or am I just, because I, 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 I never finished it, but. I just of kinda... course you never finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting on all the memes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> No, I actually I don't know because I've only I've only played rearmed in uh, uh, this game, and I, I don't remember how the boss. So like Groder is the right hand man in rearmed, uh, but I don't remember how you kill the final boss in rearmed. So I don't remember. 
I just YouTube the the NES ending, and apparently, I guess at the end he, uh, I guess I don't remember who the the main villain is in that, but I guess Hitler. It's Hitler. Up, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, his, his head explodes. Hitler, on the NES. Yeah. So his head explodes on the on the ending on the NES. I'm glad I keep it with canon, you know, can't can't yeah, stray yeah. too far. But uh, yeah. So uh, at this point, like, I mean. Does everybody think the game is over? Or, like, do you... Or, I mean, I know you want the game yep. to be over, Dante, <laughs> but... Um, I was praying. <laughs> well, uh, luckily for the rest of us, um, there was a little bit more. Uh, oh, can, can I just talk about our group chat for a second where I'm like, just finish the game. Wait, nope, just kidding. <laughs> What happened right then? I was like, man, I'm done. I'm going to be the first one to finish for our little chat session. Oh my God, there's more game. Fortunately, Wasn't you only got like 15, 20 minutes left. Yeah, so uh, after you uh, finish off Groder, um, Spitzer needs to catch up with uh, Joe, who has Mag. He needs to stop Joe. So uh, he heads to the site of the project that Joe has undergoing called Project Vulture. And uh, it's the former lab uh, for the for the task. And Spencer gets a flashback and kind of sees, uh, he learns that uh, his wife did visit him. Uh, I guess this was like a repressed memory, something that he didn't remember. And um, it ended up being that uh, uh, Super Joe explained to him that for a long time, scientists had tried to get machines that emulate humans. In order for that to work, they had to make machine parts with humans. Uh, so uh, you end up finding out, which is like the big, the big reveal, is that Spencer's bionic arm is his wife. His wife is his arm, and that uh, <laughs> it's probably one of the uh, silliest reveals in video games. Like, I, uh, can you think of anything more ridiculous? Oh, if you play some Metal Gear, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said video games, not visual novel. <laughs> there's there's a lot of arm stuff that goes on in Metal Gear, so I I can't even really hate that much. <laughs> Thank God. For once, <laughs> Amen. Oh, how do you feel? Saying, did, was that? Did you do? Like, I think this is like it ended up becoming a meme. Is like his wife is his arm. You know, that's like to me. Like Snape is, or you know, Snape is Snape kills Dumbledore. Dumbledore is gay. It's like his wife is his arm. I want to say, Super Joe. Like while you're talking to him, he alludes to the fact that. Um, Emily is is with. She says sister. something like, "Emily is as uh, close to you," or "Emily is uh, something like she's by your side," or something yeah. like. Yeah, super over the top with it in like the last five minute lead up before then. Yeah, because it's like this is yeah. the Super Joe is giving you like he's talking to you over the intercom uh, of this facility, and you're like getting closer to him. So it's kind of like the classic, like the bad guy is yelling. Uh, disses at you as he's trying to escape and you know run away. He's like a couple steps ahead of you and he's like trash talking you. And that's kind of what happens here. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it was it was definitely a weird reveal. Like I don't I don't even know how they can explain that with video game science. Well, her hair is the uh, wire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, then it just makes me think of like, okay, like, what is Mag's legs made out of? Are they two humans or just one? And like, freaking Groder's entire bionic suit, is that a bunch of humans? Or like, you know, those biomechs that you fight, are those made out of humans? It's just kind of weird, but whatever, video qu- games. The big question I had was, did didn't Spencer have his arm before he went to prison? Uh, yes. So yeah. he was in prison for 10 years, but in theory, he I think they said he hadn't seen his wife in 12 years. So I think that uh, there was some, like, at some point, he lost his arm in a uh, accident, like, a, uh, I think a grenade or something like that, blew off his arm. So I guess that was the last time he saw his wife she she went under and became his arm. And I guess for two years, it, it wasn't that big of a deal to him before he was in jail. He didn't need to see his wife. But maybe he was on the on the uh, lookout for her or something like that. But I don't know. Like, they don't really talk about that stuff too much. That's also kind of weird, too. It's like a, a whole um, in the story, this very paper-thin story is that you know, like, oh, he cared so much about his wife. He hasn't talked to talked to her in twelve years, but he was only in prison for ten. So, like, what happened during those two years? You know, like, or if he was so close to her, like, you know, I don't know. Well, I want to say there was mention of like an argument or something that happened between them, and that was why Mag said in her interview that she. Oh left him. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, yeah. So um, you're you're running through this facility, another (laughs) whack facility for me because there's no swinging around. It's just ground combat. I got a question. Okay. If Spencer um, pleasures himself with that hand, (laughs) is that sex? Too bad Spencer's right-handed. Next question. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you run through this facility, you no know, swinging around. You're just fighting all the fodder enemies and armored enemies, or whatever. Joe's talking to you over the intercom. You get to the final room at the end of the hallway, and Joe fatal. I think he. What is he? He kills. He kills um Mag, but I, I don't remember how. I think he shoots her. Brutally. Something like that. And then he's in this, like, mech suit that has wings, and you find out, like, Project Vulture is a bunch of bionic suits that can fly. And so he's in this huge room on this platform above hundreds of other vultures in front of these suits, and I guess they're remote-activated or whatever. So Spencer, or uh, Joe takes off before Spencer gets to the the platform, and the other vultures follow suit. Spencer jumps up, grapples onto one of the feet of the vultures, and then it begins this cutscene slash quick time event where you're basically this is a I guess a quote unquote another vehicle sequence where you're in this you're in the sky now and uh, 
there's hundreds of vulture suits in the air, and you're trying to get to Joe. So each time you get on a vulture suit, you basically have to go from vulture suit to vulture suit, uh, destroying them while you're getting to Joe. But they, the way you destroy them is through quick, quick time events. So it's, well, yeah, I guess mashable quick time events, right? Yeah. But I think this was like their opportunity to show some of their uh, uh, cinematic, uh, like, uh, encounters or whatever. So, like, it was basically like, oh, you just viciously murder, like, or dismantle seven vulture suits. Then you get to Joe on the eighth one, and, like, then the cutscene happens. Like, there's no, like... You're you're on a very linear path. There's no uh, like going off the you know like doing your own thing. Like this is very laid out for you. Like you have to do it this way, and uh, you just see like seven different cool ways that Spencer kind of destroys these vultures and then gets the Joe. Like how how did you guys feel about this part? Because I remember the very first time I played this, like my friend was watching me, and we thought it was so cool. Like granted, like I said, you don't have any control over like really anything, but I just thought, like, this is super, like, compared to what we've been doing, like, dang, this is, like, it's weird that this is at the very end of the game, but I'm, I'm here for it. Let's start with you, Greg. Um, yeah, I agree with you that I think it's probably uh, one of the better sequences. It, I wonder if they just kind of ran short on time, and maybe that's why they didn't have a lot of things like this in the game, you know, like, throughout the game, but or it may have just been one of those things they wanted to end it off in a bang, but um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool sequence. Trevor? So yeah, this scene was really epic to me. Um, I will say it was kind of a huge change in tone because the, the music changes. It's and like, almost it, like a God of War sequence, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed very like Oscar's Wrath, God of War type you know, like they were almost flying into heaven or something or even to hell. I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was just really epic. Yeah. He's like, literally he's like struggling with these there. These are like these super, uh, like almost humanoid. I mean, they have two legs and two arms, but they also have wings on their back and they have like a long neck and he's like, ripping off their wings. He, like, uses their wings to decapitate them. He's, like, ripping off their head. He's, like, punching their head off. Like, he, like, there's just, like, different ways that, you know, ripping off their arms, like, different ways that he's dismantling these these mechs. And uh, it's it, it just, it's such a tonal change, like Trevor said. Uh, what about you, Dante? How did you feel about this sequence? This scene made me feel like I was bad at video games. Somehow I managed to die more times than I'd like to admit. What happens when you die? You, like, either the Valkyrie kills you or you just, like, fall. But it was just somehow, like, the way they did the QTE was different than most games do QTEs. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you, you hold a direction... Uh, you had to hold a direction and do something else, right? And then mash B and mash B. So yeah. uh, there was like, and like you, you would, 
get two per per vulture. So it'd be like okay, down and B, and they had a life bar. So it's like oh, once you get to he- uh, to halfway uh, health, then it switches to holding a different direction and mashing B. And I, I didn't notice. Uh, I don't know if I took any damage in normal, but on commando, like your your screen you, is you go pretty fast. Yeah, your screen is going red, so you're taking damage even though they're not like physically hitting you. It's just it's weird, but uh, yeah. Uh, but aside from the dying thing, I, I, it was a pretty okay scene. Like it reminded me of a source wrath or any type of. Shooter. QT8. Uncharted did something similar, but it was better. Um, Gotcha. (laughs) No, the main thing, before even skipping to what happens to the final dude, I, I had this really weird distaste for how the game handled... Was it Mag's death? Or... Yeah, it was Mag. Yeah. It just, it seemed really weird. It didn't seem necessary. It seemed kind of violent for no reason. I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird because it's like, and this is another, like, you know, why I feel the hacking to deliver back story is kind of uh, not great. It's because here's a character that you've known for years and your first two encounters with her are very standoffish, you know? Uh, she seems like she doesn't, or like you both kind of seem like you don't want anything to do with each other. And then, um, uh, like Trevor said, there's you, you, you hack into that device and you see like, oh, like this is something that she said about me to help protect me or she's loyal to me. And then your next two encounters with her are like, you know, you see her get kidnapped. And then the other one is you jump out of the helicopter to save her. And then, so like you, you've literally run into her like five times in this game. Two of the times are standoffish. Two of the times you're trying to, you you see her get kidnapped and you you try to help her. And then the last time you see her, she's dead. And it's just kind of like, I don't have any connection to this character, so there's not any weight to her death. Even though, like, this character, Spencer, he probably feels a lot more strongly for Joe having killed her than I do. They don't do a good enough job of, like, building her as a character. Yeah, but with, like, the game's success and everything, I was really anticipating how they'd handle her in the sequel. Oh. <laughs> I'm not following you. <laughs> well, anyways, um, uh, you you uh, end up getting catching up to Joe, and Joe is like shocked that you're there. And then like Spencer, like he, uh, Joe is holding your arms down so you can't like punch him or do anything. So Spencer just headbutts the metal or not the metal the uh, glass visor protecting uh joe uh and he kind of he headbutts headbutts breaks the glass then he headbutts a couple more times to like uh i guess i don't even know if it kills joe i guess it kills joe and yeah yeah he headbutts him to make him unconscious then uh he then loosens his grip on his arms and he uses his bionic arm and punches this like glowing light 
that's in uh, the center stomach of this uh, Joe's vulture, and it creates this shockwave, and all the other vultures immediately like get flipped off, and then everybody starts falling to this uh, falling onto the uh, to the earth. And then, uh, so the, the last scene in the game is Spencer falling uh, with a bloodied face, and then the screen blacks out. So, like, you don't see, like, what happens. So, presu- like, he's falling to his death, maybe? Yeah, they leave it pretty ambiguous. And uh, I know all of us, especially Dante, hope that there's a second game eventually. So, we'll see. But uh, any, any day now. Any day now. I mean, there's plenty of Nazis and stuff that we can deal with. So, but, uh, yeah. We find out that the Bionic Commando universe is linked to Wolfenstein. It all make you know. Yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, that's a Bionic Commando. So, at this point, I want to, I guess, go back to what you were saying then, Dante. The thing I had cut you off, I guess, kind of like um, your... Your closing thoughts or quality of the game? Yeah, yeah. I guess we will. We'll. I, I assume you have a lot more to say than Trevor and Greg, so maybe I'll hold off. But uh, you got any closing thoughts for the game, uh, Trevor? Overall, um, how'd you feel about the game? I thought it was fun. Um, during the first part of it that we played for the first episode, it was um kind of underwhelming because of the the environment. It seemed like it was just going to be a one-trick pony, but then after it opened up a little, little bit more, um, the enemy encounters got better. Um, if it had some better bosses, I'd, I'd like it a lot more, but it was, it was, it was fun. Greg? Um... Yeah, overall, as a second playthrough, I I actually still kind of enjoy the game. Uh, like I said earlier, just kind of the beginning of the game. I mean, I was kind of middle of the road on it, but still was like, eh, I can still get down with this. And then, like I said, the second half of the game really picked up. Um, it wasn't drastically different, but I think there was enough change of pace and uh, kind of the, the encounters changed enough where I didn't feel like I was just kind of just like sludging through it, I guess. And the other thing about it is the game really doesn't overstay its welcome. I feel like, I feel like it's a good length where it's not like, you don't feel like there's enough of the same thing over and over and over and over. Um, So overall, I liked it. Uh, Yeah. I uh, kind of echo kind of what both of you guys said. Um, I played the game once. No, I, I think I may have played through it twice uh, prior, uh, normal and hard, and I so remember four times. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, damn, I'm like, why does that matter? Like, I like the game <laughs> <I chill>. <laughs> hey man, this game's shorter. It's easier to you know run through it. But yeah, so like this game. Uh, I remember enjoying the game, but when we played this, the first, that first part, like Trevor said, I was, I was actually kind of scared. I was like, yo, what, like, what was I thinking? Like, uh, like 
did I was that all this game was about? And I'm I'm glad that uh, the second half kind of I think saved the game in my opinion, like my perception. And that, like I was like, man, like did I really like this this bad game? And it turns out it is a bad game, probably to some of us. But I, I think, like Kyle Greg had said the first time, it's it's a pretty, it's a middling, it's a middling game. Like, and I'm okay with liking a middling game. And this is, I I, I like this game, and I'm, I'm I will say that like this game is fun to me, and uh, I think the boss fights are kind of whack. I think the combat's kind of whack, but there's enough of the stuff like the swinging around, like that you do that I really like that's pretty unique to this game. And uh, I I like this game, so I'm glad that we got to play it. I'm glad that I got to play with some friends and see what they thought about it because that's, what, four more people to the 29,000 that have ever played this game. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, we're on some sort of list. Yeah, probably. We're going to get this, um, we'll get on the list of a, a mailer. So we're gonna start getting a monthly email, or excuse me, uh, seasonal seasonal emails, quarter emails. But uh, yeah, let's let's go uh, let's go with Dante. Let's let's hear his his uh, take on this game. Before I give my honest opinion, there was something posted in our chat that's bothered me to this very day. Marcus Dawson, you said this game has so much heart. It does. Do you speak of, dude? I feel okay. Okay, I feel like this game. Like I said, I've said in this podcast too. I feel like this game had aspirations that were way grander than the, the team could deliver on. So I feel like you can kind of see them trying to reach for these things. Like, like we even said just specifically with the uh, environments, like the way the game looked in the second half is so much better in my opinion. And I think actually, I think that was a consensus amongst the four of us where it's like, they actually went like, they tried to make this look like a more epic game. We talked about the vehicle sequences, like the, uh, Burak Brigade and the, uh, this, that last part with the vultures and just like, they, maybe didn't have enough time or maybe like they spent a large portion of their budget on something else. Like maybe like Greg had said in the last episode, if they hadn't spent as much time and energy effort on the multiplayer, they could have uh, fleshed out or, you know, expanded out a couple other things. Um, I think the challenge aspect of this game is kind of cool. Like I said, uh, playing it on commando, uh, having to earn my armor like that. I need it. I need that armor. Uh, so like doing some of those challenges it made me play the game in a different way I didn't rely on like this weapon all the time like I actually went on my way to do other things to kind of freshen up the combat and uh, even like we said with the um, easter egg and the, the both of the easter eggs uh, the the one against the mohill and then the one with the uh, against Groder like there was like oh like there is some spirit in like that some life they're trying to breathe into this character. It's not a lot, but it, uh, it, I think it has some flashes where it's like, man, like they're, they tried, you know? So that's what I mean when I say this game has heart. So why do you think that it doesn't? 
Okay. So I know I've been painted a certain way during this conversation. Most of that's on me. I'm not going to lie. I want to say I don't hate this game. I wouldn't even say I dislike this game. I think overall it is generally a very tepid game. There's It's very lukewarm in a lot of spaces. So it could just be neutral, but for the most part, I will give it a pass. Like, I was okay with combat. I was okay with a decent amount of the grappling. I I don't think it's great, but it works. It functions. I got to every place I need to go with relative ease. I won't say perfect ease or seamless as it should have been. Um, enemy design, I did have an, a problem with. I don't think the AI was great. I don't think the enemies were quote-unquote fun to fight because of the enemies. It was more about the abilities that you could use against them or the weapons that you could use against them. I literally remember nothing about the music whatsoever. The environment stuff, they did step up in the second half, so that alleviated um, a lot of my concerns in that regard. The boss fights were average to decent. I wouldn't call any of them good, but they all at least, they all functioned. They all had a set of rules. They all followed those rules without major hiccups. So despite everything I've said, I think this game is slightly above average, which would be a, roughly a six in my book. Hey, so take solace in that. I felt like I just like accepted Roy Moore when I said that. I'm like, he's got a lot of problems, but... Hey, man. I just... I, I, I don't necessarily, I don't feel the same way, but I don't think, I'm not going to argue that, like, this game should be, you know, considered better. You should consider this game better. Like, I, I know, like, I think this is, I don't think that this game is, like, for everybody. And I think there is going to be some things, like, I don't really like the shooting, but you feel a lot more strongly about the shooting than I do. I like, uh, despite there's, um, lack of variety in the enemies that you kind of encounter, the game is short enough that that doesn't really matter, you know? Like, I don't think it necessarily overstays its welcome. I, I think it's a short enough game that, like, uh, you get enough variety in that uh, uh, amount of time you spend with the game that it's not that much of a uh, nuisance. Oh, trust me, if this game was about three hours longer, I would have docked two points. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but also too, um, I forgot to say too, I got all the collectibles. That concept art was flames. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess, um, I guess, does anybody have anything else they need to say about Bionic Commando? I I really, in hindsight, I'm I'm glad we broke this up into two parts because it was kind of cool to revisit some of the things we talked about, uh, in hindsight, though, I I, I don't know. I, I kind of wish we could have thrown in rearmed as well, but it's all good. Um, do you guys have anything else you need to add about Bonnet Commando 2009? 
I kind of wish the game had like maybe a little bit more personality or you know like more point like more parts that were kind of like the little Easter eggs that were thrown in. Come to um, the dark side, my son. <laughs> I, I agree, dude. There, there's there's nothing in this game that I'm like that is exactly how it should be. Like I think everything in this game could be improved upon. Everything, even the stuff that I like, the swinging could have been better. The uh, uh, the moves that you had could be better. The combat could have been better. Like the story could have been, everything could have been better. Like there's nothing that is like this is the shining beacon of how to. This is the, the example of how to do this thing. No, it doesn't do anything like a hundred percent right. But I think it across the board, it does it does everything good enough to be a average or above average game side piece the game (laughs) 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 all right you got anything you got to say anything else trevor um no i think i'm good just like this game got it uh, <laughs> uh, did we get any emails? Uh, nope, no emails. But uh, but as always, you guys, if you want to ask us questions or got any feedback or anything you kind of want us to address on the show, you can always email us at Miss. Uh, oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at misscheckpoint. You got that on Spencer Amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if anything, yeah. Guys, hit us up. Always looking for feedback and uh, any, uh, you know, listener participation. So, All right. And uh, I guess we'll start doing the plugs. So, as always. You want to announce the next game? Oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll do that at the very end. At the very end. Gotcha. No, I'll do it now. I'll do it now. You're right. Cause that's Yeah, okay. So our next game, uh, the winner, the winner of the fan uh, submission for December was my choice, my game, uh, Bioshock Infinite. So congratulations. We're going to play Bioshock Infinite. I believe I'm the only one that hasn't played that. Uh, I haven't played any Bioshocks. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> So I think the three of you guys have all played it, but I have not. So that is um, the game we are playing in December. And then in addition, uh, we revealed that information on our our Facebook page. But uh, in addition, uh, we also uh, announced the games for the months of January through April. So uh, new order, but the... uh, First game, January's game is Greg's game, and that's going to be Syndicate for last gen with 360 PS3, right? Yep. And then uh, February will be my games, so that will be Papo EO or Andio, right? And then uh, that's, and as well as Hotline Miami. So those are the two games that we are covering in, uh, in April, uh, excuse me. February. March is Dante's month, and that will be uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Is that the subtitle? Objection. That's the correct subtitle. Overruled. <laughs> um, and then uh, 
last but not least, uh, April is Trevor's uh, games, and that is uh, what Brothers and Transistor. Yep. Cool. So yeah, so uh, Syndicate, Papo Yo, uh, Hotline Miami, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Brothers and Transistor. Um, so yeah, if you guys have played those games or want to play them, make sure you pick them up uh, and play them along with us. Uh, and if you need to see the schedule, um, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash checkpoints. We got the schedule up on there. Um, and uh, you can also hit us up on our individual pages, uh, Potato Salad for my Twitter and my Facebook. Uh, there's an underscore in my uh, underscore in my Twitter, and there's no underscore in my Facebook. Uh, where can people reach you at, Trevor? You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Mixer, at Lyric Unsung. You can also find me on Fresh Beats Podcast. We'll be re- revamping everything on there, so you can Follow us. Check us out. Dante? You can find me at my blog, Dante Thinks Out Loud at .wordpress.com, at Twitch at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. You can find my um, wife on my third arm. Wait a <laughs> second. She doesn't exist. Greg? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, all right. So you guys can find me on Twitter at Boombox Hero, uh, Facebook, same thing, Boombox Hero, and Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrdmagnegro x. Cool. All right. Well, with that, I guess we are done. So, peace.